Okay, so uh, over to our sponsors. Let's start with Paul. And uh, Paul, you can give us your little spiel and reveal your ranking, and then you can pass it along to whoever you'd sure, like. Sure, sure. Yeah, this is uh, – I can't figure out yet if it's, this is the sum of the parts is greater than the whole or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts or there's some other inequality I haven't quite figured out yet. I, for the benefit of maybe at one day we review Gaslight, also with Charles Boyer and Ingrid Bergman, I'm a huge fan of Charles Boyer. Uh, Danielle Dariou, who plays uh, the Madame, I've seen her in later work. She also voiced uh, in Persepolis, I believe, which was a really fun project. Um, this, is, uh, this movie is uh, technically masterly. Uh, your breath, uh, you forget your breathing at some moments watching the Beautiful cinematographic choreography throughout this movie. Uh, critics have uh, called it seductive and uh, charming and uh, avant-garde. I uh, I don't know if the mix of set pieces and uh, locations confuse me, but despite all of these parts, when I added it up, it felt like something was missing. So on technical mastery alone, I give it high marks. But for something I clearly missed or didn't seem plausible to me, I gave it. Wow. 7.8, Paul. My gosh. Very well, I'm, I'm curious to see... Uh, I think I know what Chris means by that, but we'll see. Wow. We'll see. All right. Uh, so a 7.6 from Paul. Paul, who are you going to pass it to? I will pass it to Aaron. Oh, boy. I'm nervous about this one. Cause, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this film, uh, uh, I, I had a lot of difficulty with it. As Paul said, it, it lost me in story, and it – begged for me to care about these earrings and these melodramas of selling and buying and selling and buying. And then, oh my goodness. And then at the end, it's like, we're going to have a duel, except I get three shots at you before you can even shoot at me. And I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> so the story suffered greatly. And I think the only redeeming quality of this movie were the shots and the camera movement. It was it was nice tracking and we followed characters really well, but that doesn't give it enough points for me to score high. So I am going to be giving this film a 6.6. Wow. Ooh. All right. 6.6 and a 7.8. All right, Aaron, where are you going? Uh, I'd like to hear from Chris. Oh boy. Well, uh, I'm just going to echo what I've heard already. It was it was a difficult movie, uh, not only because of the the winding narratives. I had to stop and rewind it a couple times and be like, "What are they doing? What are they What are they sewing?" And then I remembered I've actually seen this movie before. Mm -hmm. uh, curiously enough, uh, this movie was actually on a recommended list for uh, a friend of mine's French curricul curriculum. So I've seen this movie without the subtitles. So like I got what was kind of going on. And uh, I was like, why do I, why do I remember this? Like so weirdly. Yeah. But for this, this movie, man, for all of the great camera work, for all of the like really interesting set pieces and set designs, I was so reminded 
of Age of Innocence. Yep. And I was just like, <laughs> took it out of my mouth. And it was literally There's like no this. Way Scorsese wasn't just trying to read oh, it. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> I know. Same thing. Yeah. Literally the exact same fucking story. <laughs> and so I, being the wise, kind man that I am, I'm going to give the exact same score I gave to Age of Innocence, which is a 5.5. Wow. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Holy shit. We got a so, wide range here. I'm going to I'm going to throw it to Yoshi. <laughs> yeah, so Chris, you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, I, this, hey, it must have been when I was kissing you. <laughs> this film, it does bring up a really interesting question, which I hope we can explore together, is how does a film become known as one of the greatest ever films um a masterpiece notorious by all the masters how does it become in the zeitgeist of cinephiles such an amazing piece of work and yet when all four of us go and watch it uh, it sounds like we just didn't get it and and maybe even gave us some points out of the respect we thought we should give it um because yeah i i I, a little context i've been told about this film for years i've been i have a little black book of films that i've been writing down for years that i go to often in deciding what films i bring to the show even but films that i've just discovered through interviews and 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 articles that i've read um and this one always comes up it comes up everywhere so i've been even telling paul privy like i can't wait for earrings of madame day i can't mm. wait for maxo fools maxo fools maxo fools Everyone talks about Maxwell Fools. Kubrick talks about Maxwell Fools. PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson talks about Maxwell Fools. Scorsese, all these people I respect talk about Max O Fools. And finally, I get to see Max O Fools. And I really, really don't get it. I don't get it yeah. at all. I don't get it even a little bit. It's like even the camera works not the best. It's cool. Like when they're dancing, like the dancing scene, which we'll get into, like, yeah, very nice camera work. But like Aaron touched on, the story was like, man, it was I bad. It's really Ugh. bad. So, and, and it's just, it just wasn't much to hold on to. I'll be curious to get into what, what um, allowed it to breach a seven for Paul, but Yoshi gives the earrings of Madame day. One of the biggest yeah. disappointments on the show for, for me so far, a 6.4. Damn. All right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I looked at age of innocence, which I gave a 6.1 but that was really early on in our show. And, and so I think maybe I was a little harsh on Age of Innocence, but I think Age of Innocence, if I was to rescore, it would be around the same as this one. Yeah. All right, so the final score for The Earrings of Madame Day, the debut of Max O'Fools, is 6.6. <laughs> and fair. every serious cinema um fan we have right now is probably unsubscribing to us at this point you know <laughs> well maybe they can come in here and tell us why this movie doesn't suck balls because it does we, we need some help on this one so let's try to let's try to have a good conversation about this yeah. awful awful film 6.6 .6, earrings of madame day maxo fools um paul let's start with you um what did what what part of this film did you give res respect to that the three of us are just ignoring or, or failing to recognize well, I, I, f I figured this probably would land around a seven across the board. And like for someone who's joining us for the first time, be it a viewer or a listener, you know, I've gone through this before as a reporter where I'll say, okay, the movie feel, this movie feels like, and for, for everyone's benefit, 
again, first timers, second timers. Again, for us as a society, nine is like masterpiece. Getting over, you know, it's it's head, ten is a true masterpiece. Nine is like wow. There's something truly compelling about this movie. Eight is a very good. Uh, seven is in our good range. Um, and so for me, this felt like a good movie. I also say I have to come into these these uh, conversations with an open mind because I know that there will be some enlightenment and there'll be some pushback from you guys. And I'll, I'll, it'll start to shape a feeling I have so that when we look at this movie at the end of the year, I'll be able to say, okay, great. Maybe I was a little generous here. And this is something we've done on past shows, which I, which I love, where we at the end of the year and at the end of last year reflected on what 52 films. And like, I went back and looked at, wow, I was very generous there. I missed the mark here. Thanks to a fellow reporter, be it Aaron, Chris, or Yoshi, they really fleshed out clearly what was going on here. So here, I figured for purposes of conversation, I would be generous because I felt like I have somewhat of a temperature on, I think, where we would end collaboratively. Like, I felt like this would probably in, be in that, in the high sixes, low sevens. But I said, oh, let me just push a little bit, just so maybe I start like I am right now. But I did walk into this movie, it's kind of on the front foot. I, of course, uh, peeked at Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, DVD preview to this movie. Yep. how it enraptured him and really uh, shaped him in a way, you know, what, what really grabbed him. I, great. And I love Charles Boyer and I love everything Charles that was going on. So there was Charles like, Boyer, Boyer is who he is the, the count. Yeah. Um, and Charles Boyer had, uh, he's probably more famous for gaslight and that expression that we throw out, uh, you know, are you gaslighting me? It's a wonderful movie that predates this by, I think, almost a decade with Ingrid Bergman. Um, Isn't that Hitchcock? Who is that? That is, it's not Hitchcock. Let's oh, okay. see. Well, it we have the Hitchcock. Okay. You're gaslighting me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, that, but so I kind of went in, I was really hoping, and I've done that before with movies. I've, I've, I've come in and I've said, oh, wow, I really like this actor. I am curious about the director. We have been talking about Max O'Fools for a long time. Yeah. And I, I, so I was influenced and I said, you are already influenced. Uh, but I think there was the, the, there was a little, there was a moment of, it wasn't implausibility, but I didn't see the connection. And probably in another movie, even during that time or in a modern movie, the connection that I needed um, between the Madame and her suitor, uh, which would be the Baron Fabrizio Donati, played by Vittorio De Sica, there is, if I, and if I have the sequence right on the scene, suddenly we're now at a uh, passport customs immigration, and he is preening a little bit and trying to engage the customs officers to make a bigger deal out of something. And what it was missing for me was maybe a scene before that where maybe... <laughs> probably some, I uh, can't think of the word, um, some fabricated moment where we would see these two engage one another because it, it, I was like, do they know each other? Is he, or is he flirting with her? What's going on here? And then thereafter it was, um, I didn't have the same, because uh, if you've watched Paul Thomas Anderson's 
intro to this movie, he is engaged. Like he is breaking down yeah. each scene. Going, I am really like he's really. And I said, I'm not that engaged. For some reason, I'm disconnected. Yeah. Am I willing to sit down in the conversation and be vulnerable about that with you guys and our audience? I said, yes, I am. I said, something's missing here. I don't know what yeah. it is, but boy, these, as we'll get to in a moment, this is not a, like I said, this is not a hill I'm going to die on the 7.8 hill. I'm like, this is like a, for me, it's like a seven. This is a solid good. And if anything, let me add a few points here so that our overall aggregate, when somebody goes to our website, deadcinemasociety.com, free plug, free plug, free plug, you land on our rankings. And I feel this is a movie that needs to be seen. And as you said, Yoshi, like if, if we have somebody listening <laughs> right now uh, and, and has some informed thought as to why we, what we missed or a better understanding of us, because you just need to go into the back end of Wikipedia to see like people are so praiseworthy. And I'm like, I'm missing yeah. something, but like, uh, who's our, uh, um, our vampire uh, director whose name escapes me at the moment. Carl Theodore Dreyer. Uh, thank you. Maybe I need to go see some other works by Max. So I think for purposes of a reporter, I'm going to rank this high to at least start a, maybe this is a conversation within a conversation or it can end right here where I think this needs to be viewed. I need to look at maybe other works by Max O'Fools and then now I'll be able to come up with an aggregate score for him. But there's something missing here and I didn't know what it was. When Chris said Age of Innocence, I did laugh. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was, I mean, Danielle Dario has had, she had an eight decade career in French cinema and sadly died, I think, slipping on a banana peel or something like that. I mean, she lived to 100. She is extraordinary uh, in this film. And I, I think I've shared already, um, you know, my feelings on Charles Boyer and, uh, and you know. I think, and the, I think the that the, there is some pretty good acting performances. I think you're right. I think there is some pretty good acting performances in the film. Um, I, I will push back a little bit, Paul. I do understand a little bit about, you know, like thinking that, well, I think I'm missing something, so I'll give the I'll give a respectful, um, you know, score to this film because it's actually on me. Like I'm missing something. If all these masters think so highly of this, then let me give a, a few extra points because I'm probably missing something. But I will push back on that because I had the temptation to do that as well. Mm, and mm. as far as I'm concerned, for me, for this show, I resist giving into that temptation. I think I try to give the score what I, the film what my experience was what i think it deserves so in the future i think you should give this film a seven not a seven point whatever sure. if that's how you feel it is yeah um but that's up to you um yeah i felt to, to get back to what you were kind of hinting at with with these characters falling in love it felt like there was no genuine connection for the audience to see how and why these two fell in love it felt a bit sudden and random to me what about you guys yeah, and it also felt weird that like her husband was introducing him or her to the Baron as like a be careful, she's a terrible flirt. Don't fuck my wife, but also I'll leave you alone with her. Here you go. Like it was just it was so heavy-handed and stupid. And like that might have been the way it was because it was they're pulling from a novel as well with this with this film where I'm like why? Why why would any of this happen? And like why you're fucking another woman, you're giving her the earrings, and you discover them, and you're just like, I'll just play it off, because everything's going to be fine. And, and then suddenly he gets pissed at the end, and then shoots the guy. And it's not three shots. It's because he's the injured party in the, in the arrangement, because he fucked his wife. 
uh, that he gets a first shot. Normally, a duel is you shoot at the same time. If there is proof to your you know misgivings, the injured party takes the first shot. Yeah, it is 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 potentially our disconnect because of the the aristocracy of it all. Because this has happened with the Age of Innocence, now it's happening with this too. Are we having trouble uh, like taking these aristocrats seriously in their like in their in their in their love stories, whereas without giving too much away in our main events thought the cranes are, are flying is a love story about a real a, some people who seem real to us like a real a real couple whereas this maybe feels a bit disconnected because everything feels a bit pompous and fake and like because it's all pompous and fake the love seems dis, disgenuous disingenuous as well I would say yes. I think you're onto it. I, I'm, I'm, you know, speedily trying to think of a movie or two to to reference where we do care. Um, and you know, I think of uh, you know our American interpretation of you know dangerous liaisons, where we enjoyed uh, the you know seamier side of royalty and and these shenanigans behind the scenes. We've seen this done with a lot more playfulness. Um, whether it's bringing um, what was the fanning uh, actress uh, most recently and bringing to life Catherine the Great, excuse me, couldn't think of it. That was fun to watch uh, where we uh, let us, it, it, this just seemed, um, we, it, I think you said it, it, there wasn't a, it was missing a soul. Like there wasn't, there was no yeah. heartbeat, you know, there's and no, yeah, and I, I again, maybe that was, you know, this is a, a point of uh, investigation, which is, you know, is there, was there something during the time where they, they couldn't allow that in? Because, you know, it's interesting. I'm actually reading uh, the Catherine the Great um, uh, biography, and it's fascinating what goes on behind. Like, you know, and, uh, you know, we opened the show. We were talking about uh, Victorian literature. They It was randy. I mean, there's just fun moments uh, where, you know, in the 1800s, we were like, wow, this is great. Um, but for some reason, it's missing here and i i just thought wow you could have well da dangerous liaisons is a good example paul because i feel like that movie works better because they they investigate the sort of absurdity of that lifestyle whereas in something like this it feels like we the audience aren't being uh aren't being told that this lifestyle is ridiculous but rather but rather like this is real love this is real love real love triangle whereas for me i have hard a hard time sympathizing with this girl's grief because it it all feels disconnected it all feels like they're not living in reality and yet the director is not agreeing with me on that the director yeah. wants this to be real reality aaron am i am i often saying that or did you feel no you guys are all right on <clears throat> and you know, it's it's hard for me to even add more to this situation. I I scored this similar to Celine and Julie go boating because Celine and Ju Julie go boating just kind of had this like empty feel at the end of the movie where I was like, the story is just not doing what its intention is. You know, like you guys are saying, I'm not feeling the love. It's so melodramatic. It's like these these earrings are like the the crutch of the whole movie it's like everything revolves around this and maybe we're missing what the earrings are metaphored for maybe it's not you know it isn't as simple as just earrings right like it means something within the context of this film which i'm trying to unpack which i can't find the significance of um 
but yeah, I mean, this, this film just doesn't like, I don't, I don't appreciate the storytelling here. There isn't twists and turns. Like I just feel, um, I don't know. Let's yeah, try to I, find, let's try to find the earrings thing because the, it's the name of the movie. I mean, the only yeah, thing that comes to mind up. for me. Yeah. And the only thing that comes to mind for me is like that moment where he brings them back. He's, he's, he buys them three times, first of all, throughout the film. Like, mm-hmm. I was just annoyed at that point. Like, dude, you're yeah. wasting so much money on these fucking earrings. Just stop buying them. They're yours. They've been yours the whole time, and you keep buying them. Anyways, uh, the last time he buys them, he goes to give them to her, and then he recognizes, based off of her reaction, that these earrings are a symbol for her... Uh, it's love. What, her, her free, yeah. Either her freedom or her love for this other man. Um, and without them, she's like trapped by, by this, by this man. So this is, I guess that's kind of why I have a hard time feeling bad for her. Cause it's like, well, the only reason you don't leave him is because you want the money. Yeah. I mean, Come it's not life. because he's going to hurt you. He's a pretty nice guy. Actually. He's actually a pretty nice guy for someone who has so much power over someone. He never abuses her. He's like, he catches her in a bunch of lies and he never really like does anything about that. And like, if for me, it's like, just leave, you know, yeah. like why, why don't you just leave? So that's why I don't feel bad for her. And, and, and if we're going to continue to explore what the earrings mean, do you guys have any ideas on that? Yeah, I think, I think it's love. I mean, she, she doesn't want to give any of her things away because she values money and she values the opulence that comes with her marriage, but she's also willing to throw away something that her husband gave to her on her wedding night, which is as evidenced by the rest of the scenes, like they're not sleeping in the same bed, which, you know, wasn't necessarily uh, a good indicator of like things being bad because that was just a a thing of the times that you didn't show people in bed. Um, But like, she literally just gives it and sells it for money to try and make herself this whole thing. And then she invents this story to like not make her husband mad. And then the husband takes it, gives it to his mistress who he actually loves. She takes it. And as the, as the entirety of this movie says that, that women are only out for money, the other woman also sells it. (laughs) And then that, the guy, uh, what is his name? The Baron Donati, uh, brings it to someone who he's trying to show his affection for and she takes it and she's like oh these look like my old earrings oh they are my old earrings oh this is nice and then the whole thing again it's it's a love it's a you know you don't know what you've got until it's you know taken away from you or whatever and then like what but it's you but it's a material love right oh for sure for sure it's it's not it's not this kind of love i love you it's not that <laughs> right yeah, it's a less it's more, authentic. I love it's you. more of a this kind of thing. You just open up presents. You don't really give a shit. You want to see what's inside. <laughs> and you know, sometimes it'll slap you right in the face. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally possible. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, to to try to give a little respect to the film, um, I think the dolly grip and the camera operator. Um, yeah, certainly did a great job. You know, they're there to do a job and they executed that job very finely. Um, if we look at that opening shot, which PTA has uh, ejaculated over many times, in his life, <laughs> um, it's you know, it's it's a it's like a one shot and it's very long and it's tracking and it's going all over the place. And the one thing I noticed, which is why I, t- I bring up the dolly grip and the camera operator specifically, is that it was so seamless, like one of the most seamless 
movements of camera I've seen until I saw another film in our in our package today. Um, but but yeah, so, so with that opening shot, it's on the earrings, it's into the closet, the cross drops, it's back up to her. She moves down the stairs, moving between rooms, and the camera goes doesn't follow her into another room, but then she comes out of another room, and the camera's still with them. Um, oh. <laughs> so we we can see that, you know. Paul. <laughs> um, a shot that does not call for tracks is agony for old Max, who separated from his dolly is wrapped in deepest melancholy. Once when they took away his crane, I thought he'd never smile again. Did you actually just come up with that? No, no, that's James Mason, uh, who's worked. So it's uh, uh, that's James Mason wrote that about oh, Max. Man. I just love that. Oh, that is so good. I've got that. a oh. gift certificate for this movie by Max O'Fool. That's what I was waiting for. Yes. yes. Oh, this this gift certificate is expired. It's oh no. James <laughs> Mason. Um, <laughs> I don't know who that is. He's an actor. Uh, another um, another great moment. Obviously, we hinted at it before, but it's uh, when we're following them um, dancing and they're doing all the the circles. And obviously, that's a one shot. And there's a lot of marks to hit as the actors there. So I was a bit impressed with just how they were able to And it's to also a transition, too. It's meant to show the passing of time. Passing of time, exactly. Yeah. Um, which is, it's a very clever way of doing that. Um, and, and the background actors even, you know, that whole, I have a lot of respect for one shots like that, where it's like the harmony of the parts and everyone has to hit their marks at the exact same moment for it to work. And, and that was certainly executed well. So again, it's like, I've said it time and time again on the show, like technical achievements, cool. I really appreciate it. But unless there's some heart in the film, unless there's a reason to care, I just, I, I'm not Paul Thomas Anderson, I guess. I, I'm not going to go home and jack off to these camera movements. You're going to go home and jack off to Cranes Are Flying. Possibly. Oh, in possibly. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, the film felt very anticlimactic. Uh, it was full of just devices and 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 a bit lazy at times for for my take. And I would also add that uh, this movie is sort of like two movies which came ten years before its time before it in Technicolor by Powell and Pressburger, our dear friends, um, The Red Shoes and Colonel Blimp. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys have seen those, but this film feels like a combination of those two, except both of those films were way better than this one. So I wonder if Max O'Fools saw those films and then decided to try to do his own version of that. I'm going to pause right there, and I'm going to pose a question to Aaron and Paul. Repeat mm -hmm. those two th titles again. The Red Shoes Red and the Blimp? Colonel Blimp. <laughs> and Colonel, Colonel Blimp? Colonel Blimp. Yeah. That definitely sounds like some fucking B-side fish song that you're trying to show us. <laughs> yeah, I'm Guys, this is the Red Shoes, man. They last played this at, you know, the Albany Recreational Center in 1997. This is Fish 2.0, <laughs> man. Really dirty show. Well, Colonel, Colonel Blimp is about a love triangle. Mm -hmm. um, very okay. similar to this one in an in a, in a, uh, aristocracy. And then um, the Red Shoes is about, like, a... Uh, uh, an object being a symbol for for love and so there's a there's a bit of a uh, a combining of those two films for me um with this one but uh yeah as, as far as i'm concerned and, and i'll stop talking right now as far as this movie goes is this film is so far from being a masterpiece mm -hmm. uh, so far um, any closing remarks from you three on maxo fool's debut film in the society are we I'm still doing the uh the point system where the 
closest person to the average gets well we haven't been yeah. keeping track so no i uh, no correction I'm did sorry. you go back and find we, out Paul? we have everything we, we right now i am everything. i've got everything okay am, so first tell us the standings and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll continue where are we at okay let, let me make sure i'm answering the right question are, are you talking about right now where no, we're no, at no. With, okay this this so, whole year so just to fill the audience in this year okay. we're doing another game because we just love games over we here love games 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 where uh whoever's personal ranking is closest to the mean average ranking gets a point mm-hmm. and we're just going right. to keep track of this so the overall rankings so far are paul including okay. this not uh, right i think i just if you guys would be because I, I can do it in real time just make sure i've got i know real obviously time. my score yeah just give me your scores again for earrings of madame day 5.5 5.5 for chris i want to 6.6 so i think mine is right on you're it. right on yeah yeah uh, I was, what was I, 6.4? 6.4, right. Yeah. Okay, and I so I think, I just want to make sure that the, uh, why is this deviating? Yeah, so Aaron is spot on here. So Sorry. year to date, Aaron, ooh, actually I think I'm slightly ahead of Aaron uh, with, if we're calling this the deviation contest, mm-hmm. I am at six. Aaron is now at five in real time, at five. Yoshi at three, Chris at two. Chris uh, while we vamp and go to uh, move into killing i will just double check because it looks like there's a glitch here when i copied and pasted something but that's what we have so far and i have all the scores by show since the start of the year 